this morning. Uh, I'd like to talk about entering more uh, fully or deeply into the body, bodily experience. <coughs> and uh, we use the breathing, a mindfulness of breathing, as a way of doing this. Um, we have to um, remember why or consider why. It's a good question. <coughs> and the aim is to um, more fully enhance the quality of embodiment. We become much more grounded in the here-ness of presence, in the, in the tangible qualities of it, in the rhythmic qualities of it, in the effective qualities of it, in the suffusive qualities of it, uh, in the enjoyable qualities of it. These are all very tangible experiences. These are not ideas. You know. You're actually feeling yourself your whole sense of subjectivity, your whole intimacy become more suffusive, warm, grounded, is it, uh, and um, effective, sensitive, is a very enjoyable experience. This is, we can do, this can be, uh, come around through mindfulness of breathing. Doesn't always come around, depends how you do it. So it's to recognize the aims and intentions there. And if this can be affected, <coughs> then it gives one such a uh, a lovely ground of presence. Um, you know, it's said to be the place where all the enlightenment factors are embedded, can be embedded in this. So it represents our uh, one access point to the what I call the ground of relative emptiness. It's empty of of uh, snags and snares, difficulties, hindrances, uh, disconnection. Okay. And then we can um, contemplate the quality of that. It's one of the insight practices. Anyway, this is, this is what the aim is, so it's important to get a feeling for that so that you know, it's approaching it in the right way. <clears throat> the things that, if the things do not give rise to or, or contribute to or head in that direction, then this isn't really uh, skillful practice. A few things I'd like to say, which may be relatively new. <coughs> First off, um, that it, when the Buddha taught mindfulness of breathing, he made no specific reference to a particular point in the body at which one should focus. He didn't say focus in the nostrils, for example. Um, there's no mention of that in the in his teachings. It can be a useful access point depending on um, what your your nostrils are about. (laughs) Mine are clogged up at the moment. It's not very useful. (coughs) 
And one thing he did make a lot of was hypnotically and repeatedly over and over again is in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. So that seems to be the sign we pick up the sense of it in and out and what that means or what, how that's discerned. So, so in and out, you recognize the rhythmic thing like the, the sea or you know, the tidal thing. You get a sense of repeatedly changing direction in and out. So um, this seems to be a thing to pick up on. How do we know the breathing in and how is that different from breathing out? Mm. One should, um, <coughs> the word is translated as understand, ajanati, um, means one should um, get a, apprehend or recognize one is breathing in, breathing out, simply that. So establishing that, that the sense of settledness or viveka, settled uprightness. Um, and then it's called vitaka vichara or the cognitive faculties. Use those in to invite, make an invitation. Well, how do I know I'm breathing in? How do I know I'm breathing out? This is, I find it's a much more useful um, way of using cognitive faculties than, than, than having them uh, give it orders. You know, watch this, watch that, watch this. Because when that comes up, there's a certain um, tremble occurs in the system. That'd be you know, a certain seizing. But I've got to do something. You know, certain kind of tonal shift. Because when I find when I'm given orders, um, particularly by that that one, um, certain kind of tone shifts. Whereas if it's a question, the tone remains quite simple, quite steady. Like, oh, how do I know? Am I reading in or reading out? How do I know that? It remains quiet and settled and interested. It, it, it causes the faculties to expand and investigate and pick up that. Another thing I'd like to add is there is a physical requirement for this and in the, in the Buddhist description of it it says one sits cross-legged with the spine upright. Um, and can you do this? I think the important bit is that the spine is upright. If you recognize in, in India, particularly 5th century BC, hardly anybody in a chair, everybody's used to sitting on the ground. And if you go to India today, you see people sitting on the ground, sitting in all kinds of postures, totally relaxed. You know, you know, really everything's loose because they've grown up like it. So they don't have to strain and tighten up and push. They just sit there. Way that a, a baby can do it, but um, our bodies get do seize up, and the crucial feature is, is around the hip thigh joint, hips and thighs. Um, <clears throat> through not being flexible, um, you, you get certain stiffening there, and also the way the, the spine is carried. We're using a chair, and uh, chairs are. 
are responsible for chronic posture problems and chronic backache um, and, and stiffening up of the body. Because <coughs> it's, not, it's not a natural thing. So what can happen is the body has grown into that inability to, to sit upright easily. And then we've got to either say, well, that's the way it's going to be, I'll sit in a chair, because that's, that's the way it is for me now, which is okay. Um, as long as one can keep one's spine upright, maybe the hips and thighs are not capable of being that flexible. Or maybe one has, has exercised or um, developed that flexibility, whereby you, you can do that. You can sit in half lotus or full lotus or one of these sit, sitting postures on the ground. Uh, or sometimes it's in between the two. You can sit for a bit on the ground before it gets too tight. Then you try and just do that, sit for a bit, and stand for a bit, and sit for a bit. Um, what to avoid is, is a sense of strain. And this occurs when the... Um, the hips are unable to carry the upper body. Mm. <clears throat> now the problems can be in two areas, the lower back and the, and the hip thigh joint. So if the knees can't come down, the legs can't come down because it's too stiff here, and then you find we will compensate by putting a load of cushions under the, under the butt so it kind of props up which is a, a remedy. Um, so if your knees are in pain, it's bec- not because the knees are difficult, it's because the thighs won't go down. Um, so that the knee has to take the strain. If, they, if you can uh, find a way of sitting so that your, your legs can come, come down, this is good, but it's important also to recognize that even if that's the case, that your spine must feel free. This is because if you try to just do a mechanical um, take on breathing in and out, some things are necessary. One is that the abdomen be, be loose, the abdominal cavity be loose, so that it can just easily distend and fall back, distend and fall back, distend and fall back. Um, so if, for example, if your spine is, is pushed too hard upright by a load of cushions underneath your butt, then what happens is the abdomen tightens, tend to tighten. If you've got a sense of force there, you get tightness here. This means that the breathing itself becomes slightly cramped. It can't just flow. So in your, in your sitting posture, a way to check this is just placing, place your hands on the lower rib cage. So the, the fingers are running around the bottom of the rib cage. And, you, and so your hands are more or less, fingers are just touching at the base of the breastbone. Now when you breathe out fully, your, your, your abdomen should sink. And you could, then when you breathe in, 
where you let the breath happen and get to the end of your exhalation and then relax without any effort, just relaxing the belly should start to distend and after a while you feel that the ribs are actually pushed upwards as the breastbone tilts up so it's, it's actually, you know, to exaggerate it, just to demonstrate, to exaggerate it, it's rather like this. Happens. Because this expanding cavity here just starts to push. And as the, as the lungs expand, they expand up. So the breastbone slightly tilts up with the in-breath. And you can feel it, the swelling occur from the base of the, ch- of the chest right up into the top of the chest. So that requires all this to be pretty loose. Mm-hmm. Now if we happen to hold ourselves upright, either through mechanical means or through uh, muscular means or through willpower, then that won't happen. Because you won't actually be breathing. Um, you'll be doing breathing. But breathing won't be happening. So you st- one starts off the meditation with the sense of like strain or going uphill, really having to, to, to get something going that isn't actually operating. <coughs> so with the breathing, the shoulders should be able to slide down the back, you know, so that everything is held, it just comes so that the chest opens up, the arms can be back. Again, you know, where, where there can be problems, where it's good to develop exercises, because your spine, if, if, as most of us are, we're used to being slightly hunched over our, our desktop or our, our car or doing the cooking or whatever, where you actually are um, in a slightly hunched position for a long period of time, eventually your back, your spine grows that way. It grows that way. So it, your upper chest is compressed. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's, it's slightly, slightly contracted. So you can't get the full breath in. You may get a bit in, but you can't fill up. So you can't get a complete inhalation. We assume we can because we don't know what a complete inhalation means. You know, so, you know, you still you live, you get some air in there. <laughs> but you're using maybe, you know, 20, 30% of the lungs. So, you know, can, can it be that that place between the shoulder blades, that place part of the spine between the shoulder blades, can be meet, can be almost interested or pushing in towards the breastbone? So if you do that first consciously and then relax and see if it will stay there, and how that affects the neck and the head. So if that point in the spine between the shoulder blades is um, in accordance with the, the natural quality of the spine, it's not hunched over, then automatically your neck is straightened and your head is pulled back. So this, your body is then in a state where it knows about being alert, you know, being alert and open. So the face is upright. It's not... Um, you know, so it's very much open to what's around. It's just that the body senses that. Oh, this is the time to be awake and open. The body says, oh, okay, we'll do this. 
as the head is actually pointed down the ground, the body thinks, oh, this is the time to go to sleep. This is what this means. <laughs> oh, this is the time to, to think about something. Oh, this is the time to, to get, you know, embroiled in something. Because that, that's what that gesture means. It means that there's a tightening, a, contra- a closing down in some way or another. So that's what it does. This is what you want, this is what I'll do. So one's agility and one's alertness dwindles. You can't, you can't uh, go against the body's intelligence. If it's been told to do one thing, this is very primary. I mean, you can, you can try to override it, but then you have to exert willpower to over, override it. And we may be used to that, you know. Just, you know, give it some will. The body's too stupid, so apply some willpower to get it to do what you want. So, you, you know, you're giving it one set of messages and then overriding it with willpower. And, um, you know, we can make something out of that, can't we? Because uh, determination, commitment, relentless effort, these all have some sort of positive resonances in some way. You know, they're written down. But, but it's like, you know, wouldn't it be nice to actually make effort, uh, you know, with, with, without stacking up the odds against you? I mean, it, it's, it's enough already to make effort when everything's on your side, as it were. You've really got enough karma there to work against. Making effort that why actually, you know, tie your hands behind your back in order to make, so you can make even, get the sense of struggle even stronger. <coughs> so it becomes pointless, you know, fruitless effort. Uh, so that hinge point is, uh, in, the, in the back between the shoulders. And you've got to uh, regain that place. So it's right behind, if you go from the breastbone and go back through your body, behind the heart, it's that place. And if you get there, then, and you've, kept, you've conquered that, so Mara's hosts can't get it. Because if you leave it, Mara's hosts move in there. And then your head's gone. <laughs> goes over. And we may, you know, in trying to correct that, we may keep pulling the head up. (laughs) And that's, you know, that's courageous. (laughs) You know, it's worthy of respect in many ways, but... It's like, you know, you don't all realize the problem isn't in your head, it's actually in, in the spine. So I, I feel that it's really, if you're going to do this, then to, to make it something that, you know, is an enjoyable, uh, profitable experience, not just a con- continual struggle against huge odds. So to sit in a way whereby that, that kind of uh, quality of spinal awareness, final uprightness, proper breathing can come around, then, then this is a, a very nice um, way to meditate. And certainly, you know, we may have had difficulties, uh, you know, when, you, when you consider a yogic tradition, Buddha's 
the tradition and you know the way the Indian bodies grow, you know, take that into account, and it may be worthwhile exercising and developing that quality of body if you want to do this. Sometimes sitting with the eyes open can mean that one is a little more alert. Because again, the eyes closed can be a signal to the body that this is, you know, withdrawal time. This is a time to not be here in one way or another. Either to think, so we can kind of close off what's going on and just get under our heads, or go to sleep. That can be that. That can be the signal that's being given to the body, even though you're not thinking that. And you wonder why why it keeps why energy keeps going down, why energy keeps going flat. Because if you're given that signal to the body, it says, "Oh, it's time to withdraw the energy." You know, that's what you want me to do, isn't it? So eyes closed, energy is going down. So you think operate from the top, from the head, and say, well, more willpower, more effort. So again, one is fighting against the previous set of instructions. <coughs> it's not that you have to have your eyes open either, but it's, it might be good to start like that. And then let the focus soften and fade. And that just get a sense of relaxing the eyes, relaxing around the eyes, Relaxing the gaze and then relaxing the eyelids. <coughs> so that sometimes it says a downcast gaze where the eyelids are three quarters over. So you know you're not getting you know running out through the eyes, but the message to the body is not one of closed down. And over time, um, through the upright, if the posture is upright, one can indicate to the body, hey, this is a new way of, um, of sitting with the eyes closed. You can be alert even though the eyes are closed. And it takes a little while for the system to learn that. So most people will find, when they begin to meditate, close their eyes, tremendous, either the body thinks, oh, it's time to think, you know, cut off the outside world and, and and uh, think about myself. That's what it's time to do, or it's time to dream, and that's what. So that's what we do. <laughs> but at first, it's not really um, too much of a problem if you can um, just just calm the, the visual faculty. Softening the focus, maybe letting the eyelids relax. Someone is not taking, you know, going out through the eyes and trying to get a feeling for the, the, the back. If the cushions are too thick, you can find that the, the, the lower back is pushed in too hard and there's a tightness in the abdomen.
know, in and out breathing, how do we know the difference between breathing in and breathing out? There's certain, <clears throat> if you just check that out, there's certain um, physical effects. You can feel perhaps a muscular tone in the abdomen, in the, in the chest change. You can feel a flow of air running through the nose or the mouth down the throat. And also, if you are in a relaxed, alert state, you notice the energy changes. Breathing out, things go soft and calm. Breathing in, things become bright, tingly. There are regular pauses when we come to the end of an out-breath. Just for a moment it's quite solid. At the end of that contraction of, of the body breathing out, sense of everything's quite momentarily quite hard or grounded or solid. And there's a flow experience and it's an energetic rising into the body tissues expanding softening opening up and then an expanded sense again it becomes uh, solid and yet it's a different quality to the end of the out breath it's a sort of expanded sense rather than a contracted sense everything stops for a moment There's a letting go and the flow experience occurs again. And seeing how you can read that, how that how that happens for you, what you pick up from that. You might not get it all. You might just get bits. You might get the end of the out-breath, the end of the in-breath, 
And then it goes up a bit blurred, foggy. And then, oh, breathing. Kind of patchy at first. So try to work around the, the stronger, more strongly, strongly perceived experiences, developing receptivity and using the mind to keep a continual nudge. Hey, what's happening? Where is the breath now? Am I breathing now? There's like a nudging sense there. Not too harsh, but interested. This is uh, Vitaka pointing, directing attention towards an object in this way. Stay with it for a while. Seeing how those three levels of the physical, which is the sense of the structure of the body flexing in that process, respiratory, which is in terms of that stream of air, and the touch of that, and energetic, how they, how they occur, how they blend. And how the whole sense of body receives that. We're just remembering the, in the mechanics of breathing, the agency of this is abdominal. It's the power of the diaphragm. Nose is just a channel, so you don't snuff in air, you, you allow it to enter you through the nose or through the mouth or both. But the thing is controlled in, um, in the torso. So do we, is the abdomen in a way um, capable or in a position to do that? If your body starts, your spine starts contracting and sinking down.
posture so that the abdomen gets compressed. It can't operate properly. It's like lengthening the waist coming up from the hips. Lengthening the spine from the hips up. Um, so it's not pulling it up from the shoulders, it's actually lifting from the lower back and the waist, lengthening there. So the, the upper body, the shoulders are relaxed, they must be relaxed otherwise the chest can't open. If we were doing this as a as a yoga asana, you know, or as a pranayama thing, how would that be if we just took away the word meditation? Said now can you start filling up the base of your lungs so you can feel under the collarbones a little sense of swelling there. And you might need to do this quite deliberately to signal to the body this is you know, giving the signal to the body that this is important for me. Um, take as much as you need. Take your time. You've got all the time in the world to complete in breathing in. And how do you sit in order to do that? bringing up the idea of being nourished by air which is true so you're drinking it in filling up completely the air and the nourishment of that breathing out like the ability to, to let go clean out, empty out Right down from the lungs, down through the abdomen, if you're letting everything out. When you let your attention drop, and the all the muscles in the in the abdomen release, relax. Again, if your back is cramped or your hips are tight, then these muscles don't relax properly. It's a real letting go ability of the lower abdominal structural muscles to relax completely out, breathing out. And there's a very lovely energetic quality that occurs with all that when those tissues, you know, fully open and fully release. The subtle nerves are energized. There's a lovely feeling of releasing everything and being filled completely. Uh, and when that signal is given, the body realizes, hey, I'm in a good space here. Stay with this. This is called concentration. 
<coughs> so the body concentrates because it's interested in, in uh, being fully alive. It's not an act of the will to concentrate. The act of, of intention is to stay connected, stay interested, stay connected, stay empathic. That's the act of deliberate intention, that's the vitaka. The vichara quality, evaluating, is, how is this for me? Maybe as one has begun to get enough continuity of staying with that process, this can take a while, but um, it's just to feel out how it is for me. how, how How that breathing is. So it's not like running the breath over your hand. Is it big? Is it small? How long is it? How long does it go on for? Not that you have to find an answer, but just to be attuned to that way of handling the experience. I'm interested in this. It feels like warm. It feels like rough. It feels like tickly. It feels like glowing. It feels thin. It feels soft. It feels like smoke. So those two together, when that handling of the experience is allowed and encouraged, then our cognitive faculties get interested. It's no longer, this is what you've got to do, but it's just interesting. So it's like the the mind listens in there, rather than being shoved in, it listens in. And we might start to notice other effects that occur along with that certain lightness, certain um, zestfulness. This is um, the beginning of what's called piti, certain zestfulness. Like you're not having to push the thing, it's starting to rise and, and float. And in the breaking of that um, flow, or breaking of that of that 
awareness of breathing. Like we find ourselves being just a bit dreamy. And so when things relax, uh, again the signaling to the body can be as you feel it slightly relaxed, or now it's time I can take a break. You, you don't want to do this. It's not that you decide to do this. It's a signal. The body picks up a particular signal. Oh, this is the relaxed time. Now, generally when I'm awake, I'm continually uptight and stressed and panicky. You know, I'm running around, wanting what to do, defending myself, proving myself, thinking about something frantically anxious, concerned, so forth. I've stopped doing that. It must be time to go to sleep. <laughs> That's the only time I've ever been relaxed. <laughs> That's what it means. Oh, no, 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 no. That's that's normal. But actually, this is a different thing. So, so the dreaminess is is again, it's, it's something you don't decide to do. It just it's a somatic response to to relaxation. So one has to get. I'm used to relaxing. You know, so it's something you, that your body learns can happen when you're, when you're awake. Even better than when you're asleep. So if you, if you get that softening when it starts to get dreamy, just uh, bring it the, before it becomes too captivating. You know, keeping the eyes open and then where was the breathing now? Where's the body now? Is this and where's the ending of the breathing? Because the endings of the breath are the sharper bits, the harder bits. The flow it can have a nice floaty sense to it. But that ending of the out breath, ending of the in breath, is certain kind of you know quite a bit more tactile. We stop, hold the breath. Feel the pressure build up. The body signal signal the body. Then is hey, this is something you know here, and it comes back to the breathing because it needs to check out what's happening. And then you can let go and go back to the flow of it. So <clears throat> being able to play with this because the body signaling has to be rewired. Needs to learn a new, new game. And keeping that that tone, settled tone, and making it something that is rather like a learning a trick or learning a game. It's not a thing to get hyper intense about or critical about. It's playing it, being interested in learning, being interested in playing, being interested in what the mistakes tell you and what the body needs to learn. Remember your head knows, learns this Mindfulness of breathing in 30 seconds flat. Easy. But the body does needs to have its own time to, to learn this. Mm. 
if you don't give it the right permission and the right encouragement, if you're impatient with it, it won't know, it just seizes up again, being told off again. So how does the body breathe? How does it know it's breathing? And pause, taking a pause, coming up to general sense of the body and tone of mind. The hearing. Reminding ourselves where we are, or letting the body feel out where it is. Hearing, touching. And then coming into visual consciousness.
Yeah, literally.